What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on the Friday. Another Friday before we have a weekend matchup, and it's a big one. We'll dive into that and the win that was this past week. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. No, it was a it was a tough win, I guess you could say, in terms of disappointing that we'll dive into. It was a Tuesday game, as we know, and there's there's a three day gap here between our next game. We're not used to Tuesday games, but Still rolling, got the win no matter what, even though it's not one you want to carry over into this game against a team where they're, you know, they're obviously rolling after some big wins as well. So it's going to be tough uh, tomorrow. What's going on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously uh, didn't look like we really wanted to. I mean, off to a really good start that one on Tuesday. But um, I guess at the end, end of the day, you got the win, but it wasn't pretty at times. So. Um, got a big one tomorrow. I mean, team that's won probably maybe, I mean, this week alone, I mean, they've had three games in a week and seven days. The The teams they've had to play, that's tough for them. But um, hopefully we can take advantage of a, of tired legs if they have tomorrow night. Yeah, and we dove into Missouri State at one point about how Dana Ford wanted to have them prepared for home and road games. So he kind of does it differently. And we'll dive into an interview he had with Rodney. It was a really good one picking. It was, I'd say it's as good as when we, when we talked about Ben Jacobson and, and like just some details and Dana went in detail with a lot of his players and a lot of other things. So we'll dive into that near the end. Mike talked to Brendan Mullins. I know he usually talks to Brian and he, but he posts it on game day. Doesn't seem like we're going to get Brian tomorrow. That's why we got Brendan uh, earlier. So we'll dive into that. Some former Saluki news, some more bracketology, some updated ones still on. Uh, and then, I guess, takeaways from this game and some other stuff throughout. Kennard Davis Jr. place tonight. We'll touch on that at the end here once again. So we mentioned a, a rocky, sloppy game on Tuesday night at home against the Aces. We did sweep them. We beat them by 27 the first game and only seven this past game. And, I mean, it couldn't have gone on to a better start. I remember saying before when we were, uh, you know, going to it or the day of, and I'm like, man, I just, you know, I love going to games. It's like, man, Evans was coming in. We know we need to kill him. Maybe we can see some guys in the game that we haven't been seeing, and we'll get to that since that happened. Uh, expected a blowout, and that's exactly what it started. Wanted to see kind of a, you know, we couldn't really afford a close game per se, you know, in terms of just our momentum and everything we'll get to. But uh, like I said, it, this game was on was headed for a blowout, no doubt, when we had a 10 nothing lead to start, led by – Honestly, Jawan kicked us off with a three, which was good to see. Him and Lance back-to-back. Lance had his own 5-0 run. Marcus had a layup. So, like I said, 10-0 lead before they – Antoine Smith with one of two from the free throw line. I know, I mean, it was the same starting lineup, as we know. I don't think Brian mentioned anything else pregame, clearly. Uh, I think – I don't know. I think we talked about Marcus Wilson, who's on their staff, used to cover the Valleys on there. He was a real – uh, he's an old school guy in that interview. So, you know, they've been treating Evansville kind of, you know, some tough love, I guess, kind of the old school way. And it, it helped them in this game and they're kind of building some momentum and we'll get to the games they have coming up. And this was a tough one, but no, like I said, we were on all over them at the star Marcus 
hit a three. It feels like he hasn't hit a three in forever. I think they said at that point or going into the game, he was like one of 21 for three, which is insane. Did okay in this game. From that, great overall. No, a 13-1 lead we had at first. Dive into more of this run where it seemed like, like I said, it was just going to be a big old route, and then they slowly crept in on it. But how about this run that we had? What happened during? Yeah, I mean, just incredible. It got up to after X hits a three, it got up to sixteen to one. Um, just when we at that point, you're just like, all right, let's just stay, put our foot on the gas, and continue to do it. So uh, maybe you can risk some of your starters, you can start the starters for like the first five minutes of that second half and um, see some guys, see if you can get some guys that get into a rhythm. Like um, you want to see Trent Brown because maybe you could use that during, during the final stretch of this conference play. But um, I mean, credit to Evansville. I mean, they continue to battle. They, they were sloppy at times, but um, Kenny Strawbridge was all right in this one, but Marvin Coleman was really the, lead catalyst for them. Even Gabe Spinelli, the freshman who has been battling a little bit of injuries, really helped get in this one. I mean, they answered after that X3. I mean, they answered back. Antoine Smith hit a three. Jawan answered that with a layup. Then Spinelli got a jumper. Uh, JD turned it over. Spinelli got another jumper. Um, Troy hit a jumper, make it 20 to eight. Then after a media timeout, Troy got another layup. Um, then Troy hit a three, so a little five or a little seven zero run right there for Troy to make it twenty five to eight with ten seventeen left in that first half. Yeah, Troy had arguably his best offensive game. You mentioned Strawbridge. It's crazy seeing him shoot. He's got a weird release, and it seems like I think I saw he shoots below forty percent from the field, but he does all this damage in the paint, and he's not really the best free throw shooter as well. Evansville did not have. Preston Phillips in this game, or did they have uh, Saku Calais, which he's he's big. He could have made a difference in this game. And, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned um, Spinelli. I mean, he he was he was all over the place. I mean, he was clearly a difference. He had some turnovers over the course of this game, but it's great. You mentioned some injuries, and he's played in 18 of the 20 games. When he gets in there, I mean, he's kind of a little spark for him. He's kind of what they needed when Blaze – Beauchamp uh, left the team and you know they got some nice pieces even Moncrief came in he's playing 16 games doesn't do a whole lot but he did good in this game I mean but I think not having Phillips and Calais who could have made a difference clearly and with their size they could have matched us a little bit more with the size but Bob and Spinelli were wreaking havoc in that run but um, you mentioned Troy's run yeah he was I mean he's starting to hit his threes he's starting to just be a little bit more confident. I mean, you think when he puts the ball on the floor that he's going to maybe turn it over because he has a lot, but I mean, he's finishing with the left hand. He's, he's a really good dunker. And speaking of dunker, that's exactly Gabe Spinelli is a, he's got incredible leaping ability at, you know, whatever he is, six foot, if that, I mean, that's incredible, but you mentioned a freshman, he'll be a thorn in our side for a long time, I think, but you're right. When it got up to this lead, but they started to, Scotty came in, had a layup. Uh, Marcus had one of those dunks that X found. Uh, we'll get to X. It wasn't X's uh, best game, that's for sure. But, yeah, 31 to 15 at the eight-minute mark, Marvin Coleman three. Uh, and then he had a couple of free throws. I mean, it was kind of just back and forth. We were keeping this kind of it – was, it, was, it was 37 to 17. And that's, I think, whenever the last time clearly that it was in our favor. Um, 
after you seen Toomey had a layup to cut it then to 18. And after that, they kind of didn't look back. He had a layup. They went on, like, I think a 9-0 run. Gage Bove hit a three at the 216 mark. Cut it to 11 just like that. And we'll get to J.D. at time. When he got in the game, we'll get to a play he had near the end of the half. But when he got in, Noah, I mean, he was – we we know it's surprising. I, we remember a path Marcus made to him underneath the rim that he finished on Brody against Drake. Uh, and we know his reverse finishes that he has. He, he's been struggling, though, trying to catch the ball. He's trying to do – trying to make a move or do something whenever before he even touches it on some of these, and some of them goes out of bounds and stuff. He's struggling to catch the ball and finish. Had a lot of that in this game as well. But, I mean, he made up for it near the very end whenever he uh, got an offensive board and put in a layup kind of similar to – I mean, not clearly exactly, but Scotty's and one against Illinois State before the half that kind of swung things. We were losing at that point – this made it a 12-point game, so that was good that J.D. did. J.D. still rebounding, and that's the biggest thing that he is doing, though. I mean, like I said, that 9-0 run they had and that two points from J.D. could have swung things. We could have, you know, put the dagger on them, I guess you could say, because we're such a great second-half team, but arguably was our worst second half of the season and um, in a lot of aspects. But after J.D. had that layup, Noah, after Troy won up tooth in the line, we had a 42-30 to 30 lead at half. Dive into on both sides, uh, or just in general, what stuck out again here at this at the first half mark. Yeah, obviously, I mean, in that first half, I mean, they had nine turnovers, so we were able to turn them over. We had six steals as a team in that first. Lance had two himself, um, but Marcus led the way with eleven. Um, he also had three assists and two rebounds to go with that, followed by uh, Troy with ten. Uh, this was uh, – I don't know exactly what his – I assume this was his career high in this one. I mentioned that once he hit that – one of his – once he hit the three to go get to seven, I figured that would be – this could be his career high night. He was he was really good in that first half. I mean, you mentioned X there. X was just terrible in the, in the second half. And this one, he was decent in the first half. Um, he had three points. He had three assists. He was he had the highest plus minus in the first half plus twenty one while he was on that court in the first half, but that was not the case in the second half. But um, not a lot else. I mean, you mentioned JD; he was one of three from the field, and he had missed a couple couple easy ones there. We're we're used to him just putting in Dalton Banks zero of three from three. Dalton struggled to shoot in this one, um, but JD also had seven rebounds in that first half. But Trent Brown got to play in this one. He got to play about five minutes, just under five minutes, 0 of 2 from the field, so he still can't make a shot. Um, Foster played five, about just under six, did not sh- attempt a shot in this one, but um, played a lot of guys in that first half, but um, saw some different rotations. So, um, you know, if you you've trying lineups, it may struggle at times. Maybe this would happen. They just use this one as a um, a game to to just test things out, but at some point they just had to go back to uh, the starting five in this one a lot because there was times we got comfortable and you just seen Brian, he just had to look to the bench and he looked at Marcus and Lance and they had to go right back in to uh, make it a more comfortable lead. Yeah, that's sad. And you mentioned kind of experimenting or getting guys in, which we called it and that's what happened. It's crazy how you do that against a conference opponent compared to what we said we would do it against a D2 opponent or, you know, other kind of lower caliber. But that's how Evans was played this year. And, I mean, one of the biggest things, I mean, we 
I mean, our threes. We shot 18 threes in the first half, five of 18, 28%. I mean, we'll get into what it ended up being. And, you know, Lance has a lot to do with that, going one of six himself. I mean, we talk endlessly. He'll have a great game. It'll be against even a good opponent. But then he'll have a game like this where he tries to do too much, tries to just stat the uh, – stuff the stat sheets and just throw up threes and it wasn't happening for him. It was one of Lance's worst games in a long time. He had a about a plus 14. You mentioned X is plus 21. Yeah, tail of two halves for X, no doubt about it. We were a 12. They were a minus 12. Um but again our threes are the arguably the biggest thing I was trying to because then you flip that you say points in the paint. Yeah, we had 24 to their 12 in the first half. But we I mean Evans only turned it over four times. Or those points from turnovers. Points from turnovers we had 13 to their four, yeah. Total turnovers, you said it. Uh, if you did, and what are they had here? Five to four. So we were leading them in that department. So, um, yeah. I mean, it was they had that nine all run, like I said, and then it kind of, thanks to JD's two, it got us above ten. But we're definitely feeling a little skeptical at this point. And Marvin Coleman hit a three to start out the second half, and. You know, Marcus had a layup. It was kind of – and then there was there was no points. I mean, there were a lot of turnovers from Lance still. I mean, Lance would uh, – he would he would get a – or he would turn it over. They'd get a steal, vice versa. X made a couple free throws. We know we can count on that for him. So, I mean, there were points whenever we got the lead above 10, but it wouldn't remain for a while. This is when X started to turn it over a lot. X started to get his fouls. Um, Marcus had a 5-0 run for us, but Chris Moncrief, I mentioned earlier, who was barely doing anything in the 16 games play, but he was good in this game. He had a layup. They had a 13 before Marcus made it 16 with a three. That's when you thought, okay, now we'll now we'll escape here. And then Gage Bobe, who had nothing to lose, was throwing up threes. I mean, it just it fails in comparison to what we had been recently in the second half. But in the first half, I mean, we were just making it hard for Evansville to score. But then they just turned it on again. You just, you know, they're playing like they got nothing to lose. I was trying to do some different wordage because we use that all the time, but kind of what it was. So after Gage Bobe hit a three at the 1330, Scotty had a dunk, which was assisted by Marcus, kind of a high low uh, thing when he was in the post. He was getting those looks. I mean, Evansville, like I said, with no Preston Phillips and no uh, Calais, you know, they were kind of smaller. I mean, Toomey was probably their biggest player on the floor. Uh, so Scotty was able to take advantage at times. So Moncrief had another layup. This one, Kenny Strawbridge was hitting threes off of a really bad Marcus turnover. There were a couple more of those in this game. I mean, Marcus just, you know, he put us on our back a lot, which he has his whole career, has a lot this year. He would kind of, you know, score easily when it came. He got an offensive rebound and put it back up after a Dalton missed three. So every time they'd claw in it, Marcus would be there for us. So Marvin Coleman hit a jump shot. Marcus matched him. And then he hits the three, and then Marvin, him and Marvin Coleman were going back and forth. So we're up 12 after they match each other at the 925 mark. And then Marcus finishes an easy and one when Gabe Spinelli fouled him. Uh, but, no, this is when Gabe Spinelli had that dunk that we were not expecting with some of his hops. I mean, he was fighting for rebounds kind of in that way. Jawan had a nice layup. But it was still. Marvin Coleman was getting anything he wanted. And, no, I, there was a point in the, in, this, in this second half here where I was like uh, – you know, I was worried. Like, I thought every single time they'd come down the way we were playing that they were going to score, and I thought it would be one of those miracles if they didn't. I don't think there was ever a point in this game where we were, like, scared that we'd give up the lead because I don't think it ever got – I mean, this final score was seven. It said eight at the end. There was a stat correction. Um, but I want to say seven or eight clearly is, like, the, the lowest it got to. But, again, I mean, it's – you know, when you have guys like Gage Bow 
shooting threes. Marvin Coleman was hot. We were just talking about him before we came on here, where he came from, how talented he is. I mean, we kind of easily just overlooked him. But did you feel that way, too, that it seemed like every time they came down, you thought they were going to score? Like, and it, and it was a miracle if we got to stop. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like it never, like, the game was never in jeopardy. Like, we weren't going to lose – um, because I mean, they were, they were getting what they wanted. I mean, they shot 48% in the second half, 47 for the game. I mean, they shot 53% from the three point line, nine of 17 for the game. I mean, we won by seven. I mean, the scoring margin really wasn't the problem, but yeah, I mean, we were playing a lot of guys in that second half, uh, I mean, Dalton, Dalton Banks didn't have a good game in this one. X was turning it over. A lot of sloppiness. I mean, we turned it over 18 times. They turned it over 19 times, but um, the this just didn't look like the the second half team we've been seeing all conference, and it was kind of surprising. I mean, there were at times where uh, it was just really ugly basketball. I mean, we played 11 guys, I think, and they only played seven. I mean, it was just sitting back and watching. I mean, Lance three of 12 in this one, one of nine, he's going to shoot you, shoot you out of games. Luckily it just shows you we can go seven of 29 from three while and still one by seven against a team like that. I mean, credit to them. They outworked us. That's all it was. I mean, Marvin Col- Coleman was huge in this one. I mean, he had 25 points, nine rebounds, two assists, nine of 13, three of three from three, four or five from the line. That's, I mean, depending on what he does tomorrow, he's probably newcomer of the week. So, they just outworked us. I mean, guys like Spinelli and, and Bo, I mean, they're talented, but those are guys that are just going to come in there and outwork you, and they did that. No doubt. You mentioned, I mean, Lance's shooting struggles. He didn't really do a whole lot else. And then you talk about Xavier with his fouls and his turnovers. No doubt they outworked us, and that was the way that you mentioned guys getting in. I mean, AJ came in, had a offensive foul that didn't appear to be an offensive foul that had him struggle, but Brian kept him in there. We talked about if AJ just gets a run in a game, he'll do fine. So they kept him in there for – I'll look at the final box score in a second when I'm still looking at this. He did have another transition layup. I mean, every when we'd steal it, they'd steal it. I mean, it's just back and forth turnovers. JD had a dunk. I mean, it was whenever uh, Marvin Coleman made two free throws that cut it, cut it to seven when it was 68-75, and then they took a timeout, and then we turned it over. Spinelli got it, and then he turned it over to Jawan, and then that kind of eased it a little bit. Jawan went one of two from the line. Marcus went one of two from the line near the very end, but obviously at that point it was just way too late. Marvin Coleman got a layup late and cut it. It did say 78 to 70, but it ended up being 77. I mean, yeah. I mean, it. it it's – and leave it to the worst team in the league to be the team that we, uh, you know, have one of these lowly second halves with. Um and uh, like I said, it was kind of too good to be true. We were thinking, oh, let's let's win big tonight and let's move on. Everyone else beats each other up. And then, of course, something like this happens to where it just gives you that little bit of scare in the back of your mind. But, you know, did get the job done. That's all that mattered. It just it, momentum wise, it doesn't carry over. So you mentioned most of the box score. Marcus was pretty efficient offensively. I mentioned, I mean, he had five turnovers. I thought, you know, that would obviously be the most. But X had six. Yeah, X five points, six turnovers. Four fouls, four assists, only shot three times in 24 minutes. X arguably came off his best game against Illinois State in games before that and then had arguably his worst as a Saluki. But 
Yeah, the thing is, is Lance three of twelve, one of nine, as you said. He kind of we know he gets the the green light per se, or he's allowed to do all this stuff. But I I agree with you. It's going to end up, and that's the thing. He'll do it against bad teams. We saw at Evansville, which is where he loves to play. He was good, so that was against a bad team. But uh, but we went back, Noah. We were looking at his three. I mean, how bad he's shooting from three. He had four of. I mean, we out of our 20 games, four of them, he's had decent or maybe around 50% shooting from three in games. And a lot of them were against some of those bad teams. So uh, it, I think it will screw us at some point here just with 11 conference games left. And ho- hopefully it doesn't obviously happen, you know, down the stretch or into the tournament if it's going to happen. And, well, if it happens, we can win if Lance struggles, I think. But can't afford it this time of year if we want to remain where we are. Jawan had a good game. I mean, no, you had Marcus as your dog of the game, and that's we can say that's definitely the case. Like I said, he kind of stopped some of their runs when he would just go down and score with ease. Did play 35 minutes. You mentioned when Brian had to put him and Lance both back into the game at the end, which sucked. But Juwan had a good game in 29 minutes, four or five, four rebounds, uh, and 11 points against his against his former team. Uh, there was some chippiness in this. Uh, Clarence got a tech, I remember, but I, that's when Lance and Strawbridge were kind of going at it. Uh, and we know Jawan said that him and Bo were pretty good friends. Uh, they had some moments of whatever, but yeah. Uh, JD, 10 rebounds with those four points. You mentioned he only had one turnover, but he struggles to catch the ball. Has been recently in 15 minutes. K did come in for a minute, didn't do – they were trying to feed him into the post. They were hitting the, the rim on some throws. He had Borelli on him a lot, but they couldn't get in the ball. Uh, Scotty, five minutes, two of five. Um, they're making it kind of hard for him at times. And then you mentioned, look at, yeah, Foster 0 of 2, Dalton 0 for 5, Trent 0 for 3. So shot 47% as a team, 63 from the line, which is not good, 10 of 16. But you're right, it was the Marvin Coleman and Marcus DeMast show mainly in this one. We ended up with, you mentioned turnovers, it was about even. And they never had the lead. Our biggest was 20. So they almost shot, I mean, they shot better than us from the field and about seven less possessions for what it's worth and some of those, how they can play out. But overall, obviously a tough, a tough finish, but it's one that we want to move off on, as you said, kind of scrap it. Brian said after the game, quote, I'm obviously happy to get the win. We didn't play our best tonight. Give a ton of credit to Evansville. I thought they played extremely hard and played really good basketball. He said, for us, I thought our defense or offense dictated our defense a little bit for maybe one of the first times this year. In the second half, we just didn't play well enough on either side of the ball. With too many turnovers offensively and defensively, too many uncontested shots. Um, and then some small things we had from this game, Noah, was uh, – or I, I think I already – because I think that that was one of the biggest things was letting offense – when you're struggling on offense, you let it kind of wear you down on defense. And I agree that kind of was the uh, – kind of the main part and the, kind of the first time I think we've seen this this year. Um, Brian did say post game. I mentioned Troy. This is one of his best off of the He needs to he'll, – we'll, we'll need Troy to come up big tomorrow. Um, Brian said after the game that – because he was asked about the standings, and Brian said that the, the players are aware of the standings that have been watch, watching other games apparently. And, Noah, get your thoughts on this because he said this pregame, which obviously it didn't bleed through to what we saw in the game. Uh, and then I'll and then I'll let you have your final thoughts for you bleed into what the other recent games were. He did say pregame because him and Mike were talking about kind of that Brian's team reflects clearly the teams that he were that he was on back in the day. And then he mentioned how 
offensive comparison, Noah, and he gave us the edge. We were both shaking our head a little bit on that. Dive into your thoughts on that from the pregame, and like I said, dive into the recent games, your final thoughts on this game. Yeah, I mean, for a team that he said he believes this team has better shooters, so for a team that, I mean, went 7 of 29, shot 24% from the three, that went 10 of 16 for 63% from the from the free throw line. And I, I just – I look back at it and I just had to see uh, his his team. I just went back to his team uh, and they shot – they were shooting 37% from three and they were shooting uh, about the same from the free throw line. I mean, this team, SIU, this team is shooting – I mean, 46 from the field and conference play. I mean, 69% from the free throw line and 29 from three. I mean, if you're going to shoot this many threes, I mean, we've attempted in conference play only 214 threes and we're shooting 29%. I mean, we need to start recruiting guys that can actually shoot the ball if we're going to attempt this many threes. I mean, luckily the other night we got, got through it, but I mean, I just – don't understand. I mean, as a coach, I understand you're supposed to believe in your players, but find that a little crazy. He actually said it. Yeah, and I think it, it should be different because nowadays if you can't shoot, I mean, you're as an individual player or as a team, you're not going to win a whole lot. Like we talk about the style of the play worked in 2007. It can't really work now. A lot of coaches say the defense is so important, and it is, but you can't struggle like this from three. That team, yeah, Tony Young could shoot. Tony doesn't get really the respect he deserves anyway all the time. But, uh, you know, Tyrone Green, Jamal, I mean, those, and Matt Shaw could hit a three, as we've talked about. Like, but though they were just hard-nosed guys that lived in the paint because that was 2007 basketball. 2023 basketball, you have to be able to shoot. And this team, I hope, would be, in, in the grand scheme, better than that team shooting the ball. But, yeah, the, the stats are similar. But you can't get away playing like that in this this day and age. And he's, he's always going to be humble and always say, like, the current – I feel coaches are always going to be humble in the moment of and the now is better than what it was back then. But yeah, we definitely shook our head at the wonder of that. Let me, let me quickly before I hand it back over to you of what uh, Mike has for the uh, where Marcus and Lance now rank. Cause we were talking in the moment market Marcus passed Shane Hawkins, Hawkins and scoring. Uh, if I find it here, what he had career scoring, uh, Marcus is at 17 because we didn't expect that we kind of would have expected him to drop 30 points in this game but he's 16 now behind Wayne Abrams who's also we mentioned Wayne Abrams is in that for the uh, 1300 500 300 he reached the assist he's still a couple away from rebounds Lance is now 22nd in scoring he passed Dick Garrett uh, and he's right behind Kai Nurnberger and then for career assists Marcus did pass Kendall or he was he's still at 14th Lance passed Aaron Cook and I mean, no, it's crazy because we know Aaron Cook was passed first a lot of his career before he got more comfortable shooting the ball and scoring the ball. And only six or three more games, Lance has four more assists. So we talk about Lance as kind of a combo guard, you know, can a pass when he was a point guard where he's mainly a scorer. The fact that Aaron Cook, that he passed him when Aaron Cook was a pass first point guard is kind of interesting. Your thoughts on that, Noah, and then, and then dive into, like I said, everything we have there or everything we got with the recent games. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to look at it. Obviously, uh, Lance has had some really good games, but yeah, Aaron Cook. I mean, I wonder what I would. I would, I'm going to go back and look and see what X's career numbers 
wise are to just look at it. But yeah, recent games. Obviously, we played Tuesday. There's two other games that night. You uh, and UIC traveled to Valpo. Um, I had this one going on our on my phone during the SIU game. Um, a 76-66 win for Valpo. They take care of business at home. Uh, Kobe King was really good in this one. 24 points on 8 of 14 shooting. Uh, ben Cricky still going strong. 16 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists for him. He was 8 of 10 from the free throw line. Nick Edwards also good in this one. 13 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. He's leading the conference in assists. Um, but on the U- UIC side, really impressed with Toby Akani. I mean, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 10 of 13 from the floor, 7 of 9 from the line in 36 minutes. He's going to be a mismatch problem when we play them, so going to be interesting. Jace Carter also 15 and 7, so that was a good one. Then the other one wasn't as good. Murray State went down to Nashville to re-kick the rival, rival Play the rival Belmont, um, eighty to sixty-five in this one. Belmont wins. They just put a clinic on the racers. Ben Shepard really good in this one. Twenty-three points, six rebounds, four assists. Fryerberg fourteen, K. Tyson twelve. Bronze had eleven, so they spread it out. Jacoby Gillespie, the freshman of the week last week, um, had eleven off the bench. Uh, but for Murray State, we know Kenny White. St- Practicing with the team, just not able to play because of the situation he's in. Um, but Rob Perry, 14 points to lead the racers, was on 12 shots. I mean, Jamari, Jamari Smith had 11. He was 5 of 19 from the floor. That's a killer right there. Those two combined for 10 of 31. That is not great. That's a killer. So two two uh, two decent game, two close games, and – had a blowout down in Nashville. Then on Wednesday, um, Illinois State went on the road on to play you and I. 65-63. This was a really good game. I thought Illinois State should have held on this one. I mean, Titan Anderson fouled out with eight minutes to go in the game. But Illinois State still out still without Colton Sandage wasn't able to hold on. Um Campbell, twenty points as a freshman in this one. Six of seven from three. I told Nick after watching him through this through this season, I think he's the next probably Trey Burrow to be a thorn in our side. So um, you and I escapes at home. Then Bradley went on the road to Indiana State. Um, really good game, but just like our game, I kind of felt like this. Um, Indiana State up five at half. Bradley had momentum going into the half just like we did, and Bradley outscores Indiana State 44-28 in the second half led by um, 18 second-half points by Zeke Montgomery, hit two dagger threes in the last couple minutes to extend that lead. Rink Mass had 18 and 13. Um, for the trees, McCauley 12 on 12 shots. Cooper Nees, 2 of 10 in this one, 1 of 8. He's having a terrible year. Um, Cam Henry, 11, 7 and 9. Were some technical Got some technicals again in this one. I think Cam Henry got one. Um, so they're going to lead the league in that. I think they're up to like 14, I think, on the year. Then to finish that off was a really good game. Missouri State goes on the road to Drake um, in the Nap Center where nobody else wins, where Drake just beat 
um, Bradley by 45. Gets an overtime win, 65-62. Donovan Clay, 16 points. Trimble off the bench with 16. Mason, 13. I mean, those guys were leading the way. 26 for DeVries, not enough. He has, a, I mean, 13 from Brody, but the other guys um, that are supposed to be their leaders and really help them out have not been playing very well. So Penn with only seven, Sturts four, Wilkins only had five on one of seven shooting, and their bench is just doesn't show up very much. But when they do, they're really good. So um, seven bench points, two of nine shooting for Calhoun, 0 of six from three. So a lot. A lot of happen, a lot of shakes up the standings, a lot. I mean, we've seen power rankings thrown out there for uh, MVC Hoops fan account. So a lot going on. What do you think about this week's games? Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for Murray because they might hit a schneid here with some games they have coming up. But, yeah, with no Kenny White, you're right. He is practicing. It's weird. I feel like if you get some kind of DUI of any kind, I feel like your chances of playing for a while aren't going to be on your side or maybe the rest of that season. But until they find out more, I guess he's able to practice. But, yeah, it seems like that can maybe mess with the chemistry a little bit, knowing he's not going to play in games when it really when it really matters. But Sam Murray is going to be playing, and he did do – he had – I think he had shot, yeah, one of six in this game in 10 minutes, but he did rebound. He's, 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 he's big, but they're going to have to need him to play – Big in general. Quincy Anderson doesn't get going, only shoots four times. Any of him to shoot more. You're right. Jamari Smith, he struggled all year. It's, I remember they're just talking about how he's clearly the second best player on that team when he wants to be. We know Brian Moore only had five in that game. playing like a Jacoby Woods has been great. We'll see them here before long, but Jamari has struggled. It's kind of been the thorn for them all year. And then, yeah, we were keeping up with all three of those games Wednesday night. It was fun. Missouri State and Drake were on Valley Sports Midwest. Thought Drake was going to put him away. Missouri State forces overtime. We'll get dive into their personnel. They got an incredible bench. They like to switch it up. Uh, that was a huge win. We were hoping that Illinois State could have got that huge win on you and I to move them down the stands a little bit more. Because as they were playing well, it's like, what, what are the odds? We beat Illinois State by 10 at our place. We lose at Northern Iowa by 12 and watch them go in there and beat them. So uh, you mentioned Titan fouled out. Bourne's kind of been dealing with some of his own injuries, I guess, but – you know, they played them better there than we did, which is crazy. And then, yeah, uh, Indiana State had more of their runs in that game, and then Bradley took over in that second half. You mentioned uh, Zico, as they like to call him. Him and Rink were just too much for them at times and showing Indiana State's flaws a little bit more. So that's three straight losses for Indiana State. So if we look at the standings now where they rank today, we're still at the top because we own the tiebreaker with Belmont, but both are seven and two. And then you got Bradley with that huge win. And Missouri State with a huge win at six and three, along with Indiana State. Like I said, he's dropped three straight now. You and I remains at six and three as well. Drake with that loss, five and four. If somebody were to say, "Hey, Drake, be nine games in, be five and four in conference," I don't think they'd believe it. Murray's dealing with their own stuff, as we know. So those are the only five and four teams. Illinois State three and six, the only one, the only two and seven. Balpo, they're on a winning streak though, a little bit or a two-game winning streak, and then UIC has been struggling. You're right. They got two dynamic players, and we don't see them till February, so it'll be it'll be interesting uh, to match up with them because they could definitely beat us in that style of play, beat a lot of people. Some teams have gotten lucky, and then Evansville still 0-9. That's where they stand, so it's nice to still be in first. There were some teams duking it out a little bit and some surprises, but some we wish happened. A lot has happened, so – and with that being said, now with updated standings, Matt Hackman 
had a seedings probability update once again. He's having twice or two two a week, it seems like, which is good. I don't know how often that happens, but we did get an updated one. Dive into that, and then we'll dive into the, a new net update and then some other bracketology. Yep, it definitely has changed since the last one on Monday. Uh, this time, Bradley with the highest chance at the one seed with 37%. Uh, we're right behind them at 25% for that one seed. Um, our percentages at 20% for the two seed, 17 for that three, 14 for the four, 11 for the five. So we're looking pretty good at that top four seeds. Um, as it would play out, it'd be Bradley the one, us the two, then it would go to Belmont the three, Indiana State the four, most state the five because they have the tiebreaker with Drake. Drake would be the six. Um, then it'd be UNI the seven, Murray State the eight, Illinois State the nine, um, Valpo the ten with their two game win streak. Then UIC, then obviously Evansville to wrap it out. So as that two seed, we would be getting the winner of UNI and Valpo. So, um, Interesting matchups. I'd be, I would like those matchups. I'd love, definitely can't wait to play you and I again. Yeah, it'll get that revenge at home. And then Valpo, you and I, which we know you and I beat them at Valpo on the putback. So that'd be a great game to watch. And then we know both could give us fits. We will only see Valpo once, and that's not for a little bit as well. But, um, you know, Bradley's getting some hype here in, their, in, their, in the last couple of days with that win. And it just makes us think, you know, and we, it's crazy how we don't even play them, which the schedule makers have been a little weird this year with some of this stuff. But, you know, they wanted a place that we did. So it's like, okay, Bradley has us beat in a lot of statistical categories, no doubt about it. If you're looking at resumes, you're looking at a lot of stuff. I'd say we're pretty even or we wouldn't have the edge in that regard. And some teams have, and I understand, like I said, the Atlantic analytics can go a long way. So that's why they would have Bradley ahead of us, but it's strange. We know that had been the case, but they got blown out at Drake. Not saying that won't happen to us at some point here, but they've had a lot of worse losses than we have. We haven't lost a whole lot at all. So uh, that is what it is. But, no, I mean, I mentioned a new net. If I can scroll find it here. We know we were 80 when they first had the net updates, however many games in, we were 84th. I believe so now after like another month of it, we have dropped off weirdly at, at hundred, which at, looking at it now, it has our record at 14 and five. So I guess this was, this happened and they, it's weird because they posted it clearly after our last game, but we're 15 and five now. It still has us at 14 and five. So it doesn't even take this last game into account maybe, or that's a typo. We were at 109 or 106 now, which definitely not the highest, uh, ranked NBC team drakes at 98 but know if you scroll all the way up and i mentioned bradley there they're 71st at 12 and 7 overall like it's at the analytics side bradley's up there in this they're still up there in kimpom i mean and they're on a couple of bracketologies i mean it, it's weird seeing us fall this far you know we've won some close ones. We've won some over, you know, around 10 or one loss was over 10. Like I said, all the rigmarole of hair, everything, how it plays out. I know it's weird seeing Bradley that high, right? And it's kind of weird maybe to see us fall as far as we are. You would think the way we're playing, we could be the top Valley team in a lot of aspects, but Bradley, a lot of people like them. And, you know, we understand why, I guess. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, most definitely. I mean, with their defensive stats and the numbers they put into, I mean, if you look at their their schedule, I mean, they probably really – I mean, their only bad loss is losing at Murray State by 11, I mean, or by 9. I mean, that's not even that bad of a loss. But losing at Drake, that's obviously a bad loss, as bad as it was. But losing at Belmont by 3, but their non-con, I mean, they lost at, at Arkansas. That's not a bad loss. Lost at – Liberty, Liberty's going to win their conference at Auburn, and they lost at Utah State. I mean, they don't have a bad loss. So, obviously, with the defensive numbers and stuff, but Ken Palm wise, um, they're at eighty-two, so they're right there with that. Uh, we're we're all the way down at one eighteen in Ken Palm. It's weird. I mean, maybe that Evansville game. I, I mean, if they're looking at analytics, yeah, look at our three-point shooting, and then you'll know. That's how you know you can maybe shoot us down a little bit more. But we're falling in some things. It's kind of weird. But we need we need a big win and a good statistical win tomorrow, I guess, to propel us a lot. That's going to be a tough ask. So that being said, let's look at the recent bracketology. Let's start off with the biggest one, and that's the guy who – everyone pays attention to most, and that is Joe Lenardi. And Noah, if we recall, he had one earlier in the week. I didn't scroll and find it and where they had us. They were, you know, he's changed up the matchups here in the last couple of times. But this updated one has us still at a 13. That's kind of where we've been consistently. We'll get to a Fox Sports one. Noah, he has us facing a a uh, familiar foe, I guess, a foe you could say, because we played him in the preseason. That's Kansas State, who just beat Kansas recently at home. They're riding high, only had one loss. I can't remember who that was, too. I looked at it the other day. So, I mean, they're rolling. And we, we talked about that they where they were picked in the Big 12, which is by far the best conference in college basketball. We thought a little bit, you know, after we played them, that's like, yeah, I don't really understand why they – we were talking about that. Like, I don't know why they're picked that low. And now they're proving people wrong. No, it would be good because we have some, I guess, tape if we taped it in that game where we know what they're like. Really good. Don't really, you know, that's not the worst matchup in the world, but you noticed something earlier you called me about on, you know, he has automatic qualifiers next to some teams and he, he had for us previously, didn't for us, and it made us think a little bit. But again, that's a that's a decent matchup. If you win, you get a Rutgers or VCU. So it's actually not the worst spot being a 13 seed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right there is a potential um Decent matchup, obviously, a team you scrimmage earlier in the year, so you know how they play. Um, I think the one, just thinking back, the one they had earlier in the week, he had us as a 13 against TCU. So uh, 13 is a line that's looking, if you probably, if you can go the rest of the conference and lose in maybe three or four more games and win the conference tournament, you're probably looking at maybe you can squeak in a 12, but you're probably lim- you're probably at your ceiling right now with a 13 seed. Yeah, I'd say we talked about that. I think on the last one or amongst ourselves, we'll probably cap out at like at 11 or 12. Yeah, you're right. If we win the regular season and win the conference tournament, that'd be. I mean, it, let's say we top three regular season win the conference tournament. Obviously, that's automatic qualifier. We mentioned how if you win the regular season, you're guaranteed an NIT bid more than likely. And uh, yeah, I think we'd probably max out at that. But the other 13 we had because. Fox had one either earlier in the week or whenever it was, and they had, I think, Indiana State still on here, but they replaced us, finally had us in here. A matchup against Xavier, who's really hot in the Big East right now with Don Miller. And, you know, that's one of those matchups as well. 
that we don't mind, I guess. The other 13s, it's interesting. UC Santa Barbara, Southern Miss, Youngstown State, and us. Uh, Edwardsville still been a lot of these. There are 14 against Iowa State. That's who they had us or who others had us against previously. Uh, Xavier is not – I mean, it could be worse. It could be Miami – Florida's on here, which is a good team. We could get Baylor or Marquette. Um, I guess we might be in the range of favorable matchups. There's a lot of basketball left, but – uh, this is one because we're in the Midwest. I we mentioned how with Kansas, if we would meet them in a certain point, you're, I mean, your Tar Heels are on this side. I mean, there's in the Midwest, and it would favor us for even more of a matchup if we were to get to see them. So hopefully that one would stick. Uh, but then Noah uh, John Rostin also had us in one. He didn't have a bracket, but he had seeds wise, or just had the automatic qualifier for. Uh, leagues and conferences and he had us in his like I said no bracket for him but he had Edwardsville in there as well so we know it's gonna be a one-bid valley and it, again it's nice to see us in these it's kind of it's just that fun speculation we tweeted about that it is brick by brick it's game by game and there's gonna be more tough games and you gotta prove yourself and like I said you eye towards the regular season title you're definitely playing some of that postseason ball but obviously we know the ultimate goal is what it is as we know. So, Noah, your your thoughts on those overall, like I said, fun speculation, and then dive into other Valley news that you've had, either injury-related or anything. And then there's one you mentioned earlier about Cam Henry getting a technical in their previous game and what, you know, they, you, you said 14 as a team. And Josh had some words to say on that recently, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the technicals, it just feels like it's going to end up costing them games. I mean – Josh owned it, and even uh, Cam Henry talked about it. But those just those just can't happen. I mean, it's like I said, it's going to end up costing them games. But he, Josh, owned it, and he knows that they had to take care of take care of it. But just seeing those guys, especially in person, and watching more of their games, the way McCauley and Cam Henry act and talk talk to opposing benches and even way Cam Henry comes up the floor and gives a little nudge to assistant coach, like get out of my way. Like those two, I don't know. They're great players, but at some point it's gonna, for me, if I was a coach, it would, I'd have to discipline them at some point because um, I don't know. I know there's in, I don't think there is in college, but I know there isn't the NBA. If there's a, certain limit you hit and you have to miss a certain a game, get suspended a game. I don't know, but um, it'd be, it'd be funny if it did, if they came down to the end of the season and they're in the last game of their season and one of them gets another tech and they have to miss the first round of the tournament because they're being idiots the whole conference season. Yeah. I mean, Josh was deeming it immature and he wasn't mixing words at all. I mean, he was, he was about it and it makes sense. Cause I mean, how do you, the thing is, we I think I just mentioned to you in general, like if it was just a new transfer coming in that they just picked out of the transfer portal, like I think how Gibbs or Gibson even might have played for him too. Like so he's getting guys that he knows. So if, if Cam and uh Voss are acting that way, like you think he could ease it up a little bit because they know you know each other so well that they can limit it. Like it's not like they're gonna talk back to him that we see publicly, clearly. But you're right. I mean, we we talked about it when we played them at our place months ago or a month ago and you just you just had a feeling that that is how they play they do do that that it was going to cost them and when they finally start 
it's going to cost them in games against opponents that they need to beat to show themselves that they can beat good teams. And it's not happening. You mentioned 14, just a huge number, right? You're right. The discipline and everything, I'm not sure because they are their two best players, how they would do that. I think if you want to, you know, be that kind of program and show some discipline and that and to the players and to, you know, the fan base or anyway, like you can't let them keep getting away with it. I think it, it wouldn't be the worst idea, clearly. Um you know, if they sit them against certain games, but they know they can't afford to. But I, yeah, I think at some point they need the disciplinary because it will cost them. And you're right, it's going to maybe take them out of, uh, you know, or to put them on Thursday night. And then if anything happens bad in those games, they're in, they're an early exit. So we know they're dangerous. At some point, they're going to beat a good team. Not sure when it's going to happen in their next three, but um, at some point, they're going to still be a team nobody wants to face because they are still obviously a good team, but they do have their flaws. And those are definitely. So we definitely want to talk about that because that's notable and it's making them semi fall apart in some of these games when they're when they are keeping it close and then they let it get away and they're losing some of these home games. Um, so there's that. Let's talk about quickly now um, the uh, former Salukis, G League Salukis. We'll get to one that we hadn't been mentioning previously. We'll get to the other two, though, on uh, the 19th. Uh, cash play with the Windy City Bulls, 12 minutes, didn't do great. He was a minus 14, three turnovers, 0 of four from the field, 0 of four or 0 for, 0 for three from three. Not the best game for cash there. Uh, that was on Thursday. So it was yesterday. And then because we know they, you know, they were just playing in Paris. They called up Malcolm Hill and uh, some other Carleek Jones. And then the Nets were still making some moves as well. And they didn't play today. So some days off for some of the guys. Cash wasn't great in his previous game. Uh, and then, no, I wanted to go back. Maybe I got to scroll a little bit here. We did see Barrett Benson. We know he's playing overseas, uh, and he did something recently. If I go through a lot of our uh, feed here to find it, because somebody tweeted about him. Uh, bear with me as I scroll. They tweet about him that he is, if I translate it, because it's in different language, in the top five of the week, I guess that's in that league. Barrett, I'm not sure. I didn't let me click on the link and see how we did in general. Uh, we know work way back over, but um, let's see here. I mean, I, I'd have to translate it, but is we just see Barrett? We've been following this. I don't know if we followed his team for a while. We finally did. We know he's playing over there, but he's playing well, and that's the biggest thing. No, no stats. We'll maybe find that at a different date. I didn't look previously. I actually uh, uh, go ahead. He's go ahead. actually averaging. 14.7 points a game and nine rebounds and assists. So his team is six and two right now. So they're playing, he's playing at a high level. Um, we know what he, what he meant to this team when he played one year with us, when he um, averaged almost 11 and six rebounds for us. So um, he started it, ended his career here and he's doing big things overseas right now. Definitely, it's not surprising he's a dynamic player, and you think as he gets even older than what he was when he was in college that he's just going to keep putting him numbers. So one of the – talked about Armand, so that's four now or three that are currently playing former Salukis. We know like Shiz Lloyd was playing overseas. Not sure what he's – we see him on Twitter a lot, but, you know, we'll, we'll every single time we'll talk about these guys. And so it's good to see Barrett back on the radar here. And then – Noah, let's talk about Kennard Davis for a second. It is his birthday today, his 18th birthday. Happy birthday to Kennard. Saw his dad tweeting about it. And then Vashawn had him on a a picture for their game tonight that they start at 7 o'clock. It's been about 40 minutes from where we stand in this moment today. 
You know, we talked about how he'll be at O'Fallon here at some point in early February to watch him play Chicago Simeon. And there were some – about five days ago, there were some articles about him, about he's a natural-born winner, multiple-time state champion. But they said, you know, he hasn't really received the recognition that he would – that would be expected after he was shown out in those Hall of Fame classics. I read it a little bit, and he was – this person in, in here, it's a it's a student, I think, article, and he, he mentioned how, you know, how he didn't get, you know, bigger schools in on him or anything and kind of in a way paraphrasing of how he would settle for us. So I did retweet it. That's not the content we want. We want the exposure of Kennard, but we know, obviously, it's so good having him on his birthday. Noah, like I said, 7 o'clock game tonight. We were joking that we wanted to go watch him play, but putting up about 20 points. We know he's carrying that team, Noah. I mean – like I said, obviously we're glad to have him. Cannot wait to have him fit into this thing because I think we got a steal. In the long run, I think we got a steal. Like I said, when we first got him, didn't think we were going to. It's good to see him get this little bit of exposure, and it's on his birthday, so we expect him to ball out tonight. Absolutely. Hopefully uh, they can get a win. I know they're playing a pretty good team tonight, so um, be interesting to see um, how he does. Maybe I can um, – after – we get done here. I'm gonna look for a stream, see if I can find one to watch his game. So, good luck to him. Happy birthday to him. Hopefully, can get a good dub on his birthday. Then, just some other, just one other little recruiting nugget here. Um, Cole Serta, 2024 guy. Um, we would love to see if we can steal. He did land an offer from Illinois last night. So, hometown team. Big school trying to get him now. So, seeing Marez Johnson, you mentioned, um, was tweeting at him to tell him to come on over. So, probably starting to – probably going to not land him, but if we could, that would be amazing. Yeah, he's out of our reach, Jim. We wouldn't put it – we we were surprised with Kay. We were surprised with Kanar. wouldn't put it past him. But, you know, he's not going to turn down Big Ten schools. And you're right, Marez was tweeting at him. We saw Marez at Highland. And we saw them both at Highland, and the Alina did not have a good game last night. So it won't change anything. I think Cole, that's where he will end up going because it's right down the road from in the middle of the state here. So see, we'll see what happens. Other Big Ten schools around him. Yeah, if we if we can get him, that'd be great. He'll be he'd be a great player in the Valley, no doubt. Might struggle at first in the Big Ten, but glad you mentioned him because he is on our radar. Uh, and then, you no. Know, with that being said, now let's talk about. Yeah, I thought I had something else to mention there, but let's talk about the upcoming games for tomorrow. Everybody's playing on this day. We'll get to our game and the specifics. Obviously, it is one of the early games. Dive into the other matchups. Some of them aren't very – or some are interesting. There's one that will not be close, but the others are interesting, and there's two other really, really good matchups. Yeah, absolutely, and we do have uh, spreads for all games now, so that is updated. So um, starting on 1 p.m., it is a full Valley split. Full Valley slate tomorrow um, besides us and you and I um, at 1 p.m. You and I is at Illinois, Chicago, UIC hosting them. That'll be a tough matchup. Um, you and I is getting five. I do. I think UIC covers that at home. I think UIC could win this outright um, over the Panthers. will be actually a decent game, I think. But I think UIC can definitely cover the five at home because – they're a tough team. I just watching them the other night. I think you and I may struggle on the road in this one. Yeah, I know. I agree. Just watching them play, though, like they're, they'll hit some threes. They'll kind of just chuck them up. And it depends how Bowen plays with the good defenders of UIC. That five points is a lot. I'd say UIC covers that as well and has potential to win. 
but that it's kind of a weird style of play that they're facing with you because I don't think they've played Indiana State. They're kind of similar. That'll be a weird kind of offense that UIC has seen. I, I could see Jacobson coaching circles around Yakwich, but I hope UIC wins. We need it, and I think it could happen. And then Noah, we'll just go back and forth here, and then we'll we'll pick them as we talk about them. But Drake at Evansville, thirteen point favorites. No, I think they cover that with ease. They they're kind of upset with the way they're playing. Evansville is riding high a little bit off of what they just did against us, maybe, but. I can see Drake covering that and the only kind of matchup that nobody really should care about tomorrow. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I don't think, I mean, Drake is one and five on the road this season and, but I, I still don't think, I think they cover that. I think they bounce, they obviously will bounce back. Um, but maybe Evansville at home has a decent crowd over there at three o'clock and keeps it closer than that. But I will take Drake to, um, try to bounce back here because they're if they lose that one you'll a lot the whole valley will be asking what the heck is going on then another one then the other one at three o'clock is a big one belmont goes up 57 to see bradley all the way up to bradley that'll be an interesting one seven points at home at carver i'm hoping that's closer than that so i'm gonna take belmont plus seven but we know the streak the streak is still alive at Carver Arena. Bradley's won so many rows. They got the third best home winning streak in the country. But I will take the Bruins plus seven. I want to see a better game than seven point spread. We know these teams faced off before, and Belmont beat them at or at home when they didn't have K Tyson. Now they do have K Tyson. Bradley, you know, yeah, they don't lose at home. That's the biggest thing, and we're hoping. I, I'm. I want. Well, that's the thing. Okay, we want Bradley to win. If we can win, to be to remain in first place, so that's kind of a toss up. We know Bradley's nipping on our heels. Uh, yeah, seven is a lot, and Bradley can be hit or miss. Belmont's been pretty consistent. They haven't lost since they lost to us. So, uh, it, it that is an amazing game. Seven's way too high. I definitely think Belmont covers that. Could very well win. If I were to pick a winner, I think. I think Bradley wins a close one at home. I want to pick Belmont, but I'll go with Bradley covering that. And then, no, the other really good one is Sycamores at Murray State, who Murray's kind of struggling as well, frustrated. We said don't have doesn't have Kenny White, but they are at home where they do play better, where they're only lost still there, and the trees are getting two and a half on the road. We know. You know, they're playing all these, the, the trees are playing these teams hard, but and like I said, Murray's kind of a weird matchup, a different matchup, but they kind of can let you score. They ca- can play undisciplined and any state can take advantage of it. Oh, but I think Murray gets the win that drops the Sycamores to four straight. What do you think? Yeah, that's tough. Obviously, we know we went down to Murray and got, got the broke their home game winning streak, but and it's a tough place to play. It's a five o'clock ESPNU game, so nationally televised. Um, so I, I assume Murray State will show out. I think they're in the they're up there with us for um, attendance at home. So be a tough one. I will take the trees. I think they have to eventually bounce back here. Um, even though I'd like to see them drop another one, but I think they bounce back in this one. Then the end of the night, um, the six o'clock game. Valpo on a two game win streak heads over um, to play Illinois State. Illinois State getting six points in this one. Um, we just saw the Redbirds recently, um, potentially without um, Sissoko and Sandage, both questionable in this one. So um, I'm going to upset. I'm going to say Valpo gets another win to make it three in a row. They definitely cover the six, but 
I will take Valto, Valpo plus six in this one. I agree. I think they can win as well. I mean, Kendall Lewis is back-to-back games without scoring. That can't keep happening. If he scores just a little bit, they beat you and I, and then they're riding high as well. They are at home. Some of these spreads are ridiculous, honestly. But, yeah, Valpo is riding high. They're two best guys. People are calling them K-squared. They're playing really well. They're kind of – I say getting healthy. We saw somebody that said maybe – or Paul Oren said that, you know, maybe they're getting one of their players – they're getting uh, Diavaro back off an injury, whether he plays in this game or not. But Valpo's starting to not become, like, fully scary, obviously. But to to beat teams like Illinois State that they're evenly matched up with, uh, that's, that's about as evenly matched as it gets. I think Valpo covers as well, and I, I think they end up getting the job done as well. So a lot of close games even. Some of these games are awesome. And we hope that Evansville does get Drake a scare. Hope UIC wins at home. Hope Drake – Evansville's not going to win. Um, and we mentioned Belmont and Bradley's too close to call of who we want to win. I guess Belmont, that's only if we win, though, in our tough matchup we'll get to. Need Murray State to win at home, need, and it doesn't matter with the bottom two. But there will be some good games, no doubt about it. Um, so, no, now, again, with that being said, let's talk about these Bears. These, these Bears that – have these huge back-to-back wins here that, uh, you know, did lose at Illinois State when they had a lot of things maybe not go their way. Uh, but they're riding hot off, off a win like that. When you come back from a deficit, as they did, we'll do it. We'll dive into what their season has been in our first matchup against them. But it is uh, our 90, 90 – this is the 94th game between us. We – or Missouri State uh, – or we lead the series 50-43 to 43. Uh, in the last 10 meetings, Missouri State's won six of them, and they've won five straight over us, Noah. That goes back to Sheesh. We know the matchups last year. They were killing us. Uh, the last one we had at their place in 2018, when we won by two. In uh, all time, we're 28 and 11 against them at home and six and five in Arch Madness. Uh, we, know, we know they're tough. And like I said, they're, they've struggled at times, but and we'll get to what Dana Ford had to say about their team a little bit. We'll pick that apart just a little bit. They've had some tough matchups this year. They had one that didn't even happen. But no, we'll go ahead and dive into what they what they had been doing this year because it's by far the 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 uh, the uh, toughest non-con of any team in the valley. Yeah, they definitely. I mean, Dana said in his interview that they didn't set it up this way; it just happened to turn out this way. I mean, their first their first road game was at BYU, where they played BYU tough, lose by two there. They play a deep, a really good MTSU team, Middle Tennessee State, at home. Beat them. They go on the road um, at UNCW. Fifth, they go on the road at UNCW. Dana said they hadn't lost until I think they lost last night. Since they played them, lose the, a decent Ball State team. They go on the road at Oakland. Um, they lose at St. Mary's. They drop one to IPFW, which shouldn't happen. They lose at Oral Roberts. That's another one. They beat a, a really good Central Michigan team. Um, then they had a they had a game against Sam Houston, who's really good this year, canceled uh, because of weather. So this is a team that's really really starting to turn it on. A lot of people um, were not believers into the Missouri State Bears this year. Um, I don't remember what you had them, but I picked them to finish second in the league, so right above us. So it's a team that's it's going to be interesting. I mean, in conference play, Donovan Clay's leading the way, 14 points a game, six rebounds, four assists. He's doing it all for him. Um, he's just getting about a steal and almost two blocks a game. Um, 
Chance Moore has been really big for him. The Arkansas transfer, 10 points a game in conference. Brian Trumbull off the bench has been really big recently. Um, Reginald's starting to start for them. I mean, they start they they start um, Rafe Ayers, and he only plays about – I mean, he played like four minutes the other night. So he's almost like Trent was for us, starting playing like four minutes and not even playing the rest of the game. So a lot of guys, I mean, obviously – it's going to be a tough matchup. We know how Donovan Clay, the effect of the effect of he does on Marcus with his defense. So they have a lot of guys. I didn't even mention all of them yet, but a lot of guys on the scene, very deep team. They're also without Dawson Carper already. And James Graham's only played in three games. A guy I picked for third team all conference, the Maryland transfer. Yeah. We had high hopes for him. And yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have him past five in my rankings. If I remember, I don't, I, if I wrote him down, we'd go back and listen to the pod and we knew the caliber of what, you know, we were freaking out when they got chance more and you're right on the season 12, you mentioned what he's doing in conference. And Dana kind of mentioned that, you know, he's really efficient score that he'll come in and only play 20 minutes in a, in a game or per game, but he'll score 12 points. He, he can make tough shots. He said, and, He's a tough matchup, and but like they're benched. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, yeah, Trimble's only played in thirteen of their nineteen games, but him coming in the way he's starting to shoot. I mean, on the season you mentioned some conference eight on the season though for him, and they just have a lot of versatility. That's what Dana really preached in this one. I mean, we saw Donovan Clay the other night against Brody or get, guarding Brody playing some of the best defense you'll ever see on him and off ball defense, and he he was posting up. The biggest dude in the league, he was posting up on offense, scoring on him at times, just getting some looks. I mean, talk about what you know confidence can do for a team. And 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 Dana mentioned that that non-conference for them, he's glad they did it because it we talk about battle tested all the time. Why we beat Oklahoma State, a lot of things had to go certain ways at play out in a game, but we talked about I mean playing Kansas State and Alabama, who are two of the top ten teams in the country right now you know, did us some good. I think that is a reason, a, whether it's a small reason or not, why we're playing well this year. And if Missouri State can be that kind of battle-tested. And Dana said that he didn't even really know it was going to be like this. They didn't expect, you know, they didn't play Sam Houston, but then as an example that how good they're playing, you say Liberty is going to win their conference. We know BYU is always good. Utah State, I mean, it's it's incredible. Ball State who's playing Kent State tonight. We were just talking about their game, struggling right now against a big game with that. Ball State's good. I mean, they didn't really expect, I guess, to happen to them, but battle tested for them. And that's what Brian always says for us, right? We want to schedule games preseason or non-con, whatever it takes to prepare you for the Valley. And they're, and they're on it here. So we'll get to more of the personnel, some of their team wise, what Brendan said on the, on the, on the pregame that they're like 350th in tempo. So they really like the, which surprised me big time. They like to slow the game down a little bit. Uh, I mean, they're, they're 11th in team offense which is crazy. They're right ahead of Evansville. They only score 66.11 points a game, but their defense is right behind us, and we know Bradley's ahead of us. Missouri State is third on that list. Great versatility on defense. They are seventh in team scoring margin. They rebound like heck. We talk talk about this team. We talk about Bradley's ability to rebound in their offensive boards. Missouri State does it almost as good. They are right behind them. Um, and they don't really shoot. I mean, they're eighth in the league in team field goal percentage from three. They're ahead of us. We know how how much we're struggling. Just we're shooting thirty one percent of the team. They're actually fifth at thirty four percent. So they can shoot it, as we know. Thing is, with them, no, they don't shoot free throws well. And 
They were perfect, I think, in that game against Drake. They'll have moments where they do do it well, but they're dead last in the league at 62%, 61.7% actually. Uh, they're about middle of the pack in turnovers, uh, and they don't really – they do, probably like to play – and that's what Dana said. They kind of – why they're playing better because they're playing more as a team compared to at times they're playing a little bit more selfish and more in, in, like independent ball because they're ninth in assists, so they don't really like to spread it as much. Uh, they they're second in the league in blocks. I mean, you name it, they're doing it all. They're middle of the way in steals. I mean, no other. They're what we predicted them to be. The way they're playing, like the Dana talked about, all their guys dive into more of their players. They'll kind of switch it up. You mentioned Ayers will um, start like Trent does. Yeah, to kind of give them you know a deeper bench if they start a guy that only plays three minutes in the game. I think you got to watch for him though if he can shoot. No, it's a brand-new roster, and I think Dana's done a really good job writing the ship to where they're now a top-of-the-league threat, like I said, like we like we predicted them to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've been starting Kendall Moore, a Colorado State transfer, Ayers, Donovan Clay, Original, and Mogbo. Um, a really, I mean, tall. I mean, they can rebound. They're the top offensive – one of the top offensive rebounding teams. They go – all five to the board, so we're going to have to box. But um, Austin Mason, Oklahoma transfer, we know all about him. Damian Mayo, a three-star freshman that came in um, from Chaminade um, and link year prep. So um, they're without, like I said, they're without Carper. They're without Matthew Lee. They don't even have the St. Peter's transfer. Uh, Trimble has been really good. It's a tough team. I mean, they've scored – 37.98% of their points from three from the three-point arc. That's 27, 27th best in the country. They're averaging about eight, eight and a half threes a game. So that's 84th nationally. Going to be tough. Going to have to guard that three and all go rebound. So um, definitely going to be interesting in this one. You want to say the top, the top keys of the game will be rebound. And Dana said that they're not – he said you got a defensive rebound to win games, that the fact that they're – and he mentioned Matthew Lee that he was going to be definitely a huge part of what they were doing before he got hurt. They've been writing the tip a little bit. No, we are, we are with three point dogs in this one. Crazy. Uh, I said it was going to be maybe even that they were going to be the favorites, and that's the case. No, three points. Dog of the game. If you think we'll cover that spread, and your final thoughts overall. Yeah, dog of the game will be Lance Jones. I mean, he's going to have to be effective in this one because I know what Donovan Clay, the effect he has on Marcus when he's guarding him. So I will go with Lance in this one. He's got to be better, got to be more effective. Um, I do think we don't cover the spread. I will take Missouri State. They swept us two seasons in a row, and I think they start trying to sweep us for the third third season in a row. Going to be a tough Keys, I mean, just quick keys of the games. Got all five rebound and got to guard that three-point arc. I just went over their stats from three. So, um, I hate I hate to say it, but I think we dropped this one. But it, I think it could be four or five points. So, I will take Missouri State minus three. Yeah, we don't play well there. I mean, imagine if we get this win, how huge it will be. I'll, I'll say it's within three as well. I think Missouri State could win this game as well, the way they're playing. If they could drop it with this momentum, 120 and a half over under. I'll go with Clarence. I think he's got to score. He's got to match this team's versatility at that size and the way, the things that he can do. Uh, but, yeah, Lance has to guard Clay because no one else on our team can. He's wreaking havoc at every facet of the game. So a, a full team effort at 1 o'clock, one of the early games, as we said. 
very, very important game. It's the, the game that all Valley fans are talking about that they want to see most out of the top three for tomorrow. It's about right in this ship. I think if we get this win, it could look great for us even more moving forward and teams will be looking at us and that even more way of being that top seed. So <clears throat> looking forward to it. Like I said, one o'clock ESPN three tomorrow. We'll go for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always until next time. Go dogs.